Very welcome to this week's live event. We have our regular panel of Daniel Dunn, JP Corcoran and Sean Dorn with us on the show this week. And we're staying right up to date with news and discussion about the technology that makes a difference to you. Of course, this week, technology has been very much mainstream news here in Ireland. There's been a lot of coverage already of the cyber attack on the HSE and the Department of Health as well. And understandably, a lot of people are concerned about what exactly that means and what the possible uh, what the possible results of that could actually be. So we're going to talk a bit about that on our live event today, cyber attacks and ransomware and what that is and how to keep yourself protected from it as well. So that'll be coming up shortly on the show. A little bit later on, we're going to be catching up with Dominique Farrell in our Seeing It Your Way piece and see if you can spot which side of the Apple versus Android debate Dominique is on. She makes it fairly clear, I think, in our interview. That's coming up a little bit later on as well. And on top of that this week, we have a bit of a taster for you of something else that NCBI will have for you very shortly. Labs trainer Miriam Kelly has been putting together a series of short training videos on various topics and they'll be available soon on the NCBI YouTube channel. We're going to give you a little bit of a taster of one of those videos today to show just what will be available in the coming weeks and months. And of course, later on in the show, we're going to have our usual quick tips uh, and, and uh, tech help sections as well. So plenty to talk about on the show today. And don't forget that uh, if there are any questions that you'd like answered, uh, relating to today's topics or any other topic as well that you'd like us to cover, you can uh, get in touch by emailing us at labs at ncbi.ie or you can use the question panel on the right hand side of Teams if you're connecting through Microsoft Teams. But first of all, we're going to move into uh, our main kind of subject of discussion this week, what you need to know, ransomware and cyber attacks. And as we said, this is kind of very topical at the moment with the attacks, uh, with the cyber attack on the HSE, particularly within the, the last few days. We're just going to have a bit of a discussion about how uh, we can kind of get to grips with that a little bit, I suppose. What what does it actually mean and uh, how can we protect ourselves from it? And we're going to have a regular panel on to discuss that. So we've got Sean and Daniel and JP with us to talk about that this week. So maybe just to start off with, could you fill us in a little bit with why why exactly this is such big news, um, the, the ransomware attack in the last few days? Yeah, sure. Uh, I can maybe fill us in a little yeah, bit on that, too, if you don't mind. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think a lot of our listeners will be aware that last Friday uh, morning, early, early in the morning, 4 a.m., in fact, the HSE was made aware of what they called a, a significant uh, cybersecurity attack involving ransomware on its IT systems. So, in response, what they did was they shut down their national and, and local IT systems in order to protect them from uh, further from, from the attack. The attack itself uh, was described by the HSE as human operated, and uh, it's using a new variant of what's called the CONTI, C O N T I uh, ransomware which I think we're going to be talking about in a little more detail uh, in a while. So uh, since the uh, attack took place on Friday, though, Jude, it's estimated that 85,000 computers have been, have been uh, clo uh, shut down and that have access to the HSE's uh, IT uh, systems. So they've been, uh, they've been turned off as a precaution 
as the systems are being cleared and one by one assessed by the HSE cyber security teams, um, making sure they're they're going to be safe before they're switched, on, switched back on. But this, of course, has, has led to a lot of uh, significant, I suppose, to significant uh, service disruption uh, within the HSE, and that's for both patients and for healthcare staff. So, for example, uh, the health, health service has been forced to cancel almost 20,000 hospital appointments and operations, along with several uh, A&E departments having to divert patients to other units. Uh, some hospitals, because they can't access the electronic systems, have actually had to rely on paper records uh, for, for uh, patients. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Others have warned of uh, like kind of, of routine appointments being cancelled, as well as like scans for like maternity scans and and checkups. Um, a lot of people are asking about COVID vaccinations as well. I was looking at this this morning on the HSE site. COVID-19 vaccinations and tests are going ahead, but there might be some delays in getting your, your COVID-19 uh, test results. I think as well, like I've, I've, I've listened to a kind of a few interviews as well from patients as well who've been affected by this attack in terms of delays uh, to, their, to their appointments. And it's, when, you, when, you, when you bring in the human element of it, it is, it is very, it's awful. I suppose when you hear about, you know, maybe patients yeah. who are undergoing treatment for cancer and how much it's impacting them. So it's the human side of this as well. Yes, yeah. Um, yeah. Interestingly, I was, I was looking at as well, that this isn't the first time this sort of attack has happened on, on the health service, albeit not ours. Um, so if you go back to, I think it's three years ago, 2017, the UK's National Health Service, NHS, was exposed to a ransomware attack, not too uh, dissimilar to this one, and affected dozens of NHS hospitals, and it cost the, the NHS uh, several millions of, of pounds in, in damages. Um, but we can hope that this, this situation in the HSC will be resolved soon, with a, yeah. a return to normal service as they qu quite soon. Um, I know in the meantime, for anyone who does have qu uh, queries about it, uh, the HSC are advising people to access the health services option information page and that is it's www.hse.ie and forward slash health dash services dash disruptions so if you have any queries about maybe your your hospital appointment or a covid vaccination um, appointment then you can visit that site and check the latest updates yeah very good yeah so, so th yeah. there's a lot to kind of be kind of to, to take in, I suppose, with everything that's that's happening with that, but definitely um, causes for concern there. It might kind of help yeah. us just to understand the situation a little bit more. If we get into the idea of what, what actually ransomware is and uh, maybe the different types of ransomware, what, what, what are we talking about when we're talking about these kind of cyber attacks? Yeah, I suppose um, it's Daniel here, Jude. Uh, I suppose what you're talking about generally is um, piece of software and often it can come in the form of an email attachment purporting to be from somebody you know so already the um you know your trust your guard is down because you're trusting it's you know it could be a family member whose computer has been took over and you know their email and you say oh that's my friend down the road or whatever and you get this email and the attachment and what happens is uh unfortunately um the, the the guys who make this um they're they're relying on you to have your guard down you open that uh, little attachment it could be you know an innocent it might appear to be an innocent looking word file or something like that and what it does then is it starts uh it gets into your system and it starts um like putting a padlock on all all your files so it can be particularly disruptive i suppose for the likes of the hse you know you know sensitive data oh, yeah. and all that as hell businesses you know small medium enterprises you know maybe they have a database of all the customers and i think that that uh, file is locked 
and basically the, it's like um you know somebody coming into coming into your house and putting a padlock on all your kitchen presses and you're there god i need my food i need my food yeah, you yeah. say well we'll we'll give you the key if you give us you know a thousand yeah, quid or yeah. something like that so yeah. that i suppose that's the best way of um describing what has happened here so all all these files they, they start getting encrypted and they demand then payment usually in what a new phenomenon as well as that's that's people might have been hearing more and more about is bitcoin and um, bitcoin is is untraceable so it's not like it's done through banks or anything like that um, it's 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 untraceable so whoever you know whoever gets to bitcoin they're generally going to be in lands thousands of miles away and uh, yeah. virtually untraceable you know so, so in, that's in other words if what the, happens yeah so if, if the ransom is paid kind of thing if the money is given then there's kind of there's no way of tracking that or that that's it it's kind yeah. of money down yeah. yeah and and even and even if you do go along let's say let's say you do have um you know a few a few quid in the back pocket and you're willing to buy a bit of bitcoin to pay this ransom there's still no guarantee that you are going to get your key yeah. your your code to unlock all your personal data you know, because really what you're dealing with is high-end criminals in, you know, who just yeah. happen to operate in, in the cyber world as opposed to, you know, out amongst the yes, in plain yeah, sight. Yeah. So um, there's no guarantees that even if you do hand over these sums of money or these Bitcoins that you are going to get your files unlocked. So it really is, you know, you're really into the deep unknown there. And there, there is there is quite a different, uh, well, there's, there's a lot of different types of ransomware, as JP said, you know, this one's currently the, Con the Conti variety. And then we have people that hear of WannaCry or CryptoLock or a GoldenEye or Locky. Like there's literally yeah. dozens and dozens and dozens of these things online. And like um, Daniel was saying, like they're either a crypto virus or they're malware and they will either basically, you know, put an encryption on files that you really need access to or it'll block out your entire system with a password so you can't mm -hmm. even get into your system so on the hse level or an organization that big it's going to block out a lot of patient data like jp was saying mm. it's going to stop people from getting a scan because they can't see your previous scan or you know stop you from yeah, getting yeah. that type of operation mm -hmm. but even on a personal level very very improbable that it would happen to an individual but you know there is a possibility and like what they would do is that you know did block out your files or did block your computer completely or maybe you're working on a on a novel and they've encrypted your entire novel and then you have to buy that back yeah yeah mm. yeah so it can it can really have kind of devastating effects really i suppose because the if the uh, data is no longer accessible is that is that what's happening with most of these things is it that it's the access to the data that's no longer there, or is the data destroyed, or how does that work usually? Well, if the, if the, data, if the data was destroyed, you wouldn't pay any ransom at all. So they're, they're holding it at ransom. So mm -hmm. the data still exists, it's still on your machine, but there's an encryption password that you don't have the password to. So you can't get into your patient files or on a personal level, you can't get into your family photographs or so if you're writing a book, you can't get into your book because they've put an encryption password that you need to pay for. Or as Dan was also saying, like they can block ac access to your entire machine. So you, you boot up Windows and you get a black screen saying, you know, yeah. you, ha you have been blah, 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 by this blah, blah, blah. And then yeah, there'll be a text box to enter the password. So you have to provide that password to them. Yeah. 
And, yeah, and, and I believe there's the other side of this as well, um, that it's not just that the data is being encrypted. There's kind of another element to it sometimes with these ransomware attacks. And it's one of the things that's been maybe the, on, the, on people's mind as well recently. The yeah, threat, the, they can threaten to publish stuff. That's it. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So is that, is that what's happening? Someone who's famous or someone like that. Like they, yeah. 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 And a, lar a large organization wouldn't want their clients names or addresses printed so i don't i don't think that's going to happen but that's kind of yeah a threat that's used against um people and, the, and these attacks are kind of orchestrated through as uh, we've kind of alluded in the past like through phishing attacks or malicious downloads or compromised credentials and you'd use like a phishing attack or maybe to, to, to pose as a certain website and then you log in and they have your details for logging in yeah. So that's why we can just we can discuss like how there's a number of ways to work around if you've lost your kind of you know your if your credentials have become compromised and it's something that we all kind of start hearing about in terms of um, MFP like multi-factor protection. So we can we can kind of go into like things like that in a, in a few minutes if you'd like, yeah, Jude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So mm. actually, just kind of thinking about that, I suppose, what what is the response to something like this? So there's a cyber cyber attack or a, a ransomware attack, and whether it's whether it's the current one at the moment with the HSE or whether it's a personal one, what what can be the response? What can be done about something like that? Well, like it, it, it depends on how much kind of how much you're prepared for something like this, and that's that's key to everything because. You know, we all should be updating our antiviruses regularly, run scans, make sure we have all the latest patches and downloads for our operating systems. Always have the latest operating system installed, so there's less vulnerability in your in, in your machine. And then from there, um, it's always good to maybe back up your files, maybe off your computer. Like we all used to save to floppies or CDs. You can still yeah. save to a CD. You can save to uh, cloud storage on a different account so that you have your files backed up. So if your computer is compromised, you can actually, if, if, if your computer was locked out, you can uh, wipe your computer, run, run a, a cleaner on it, try and remove anything that's, uh, you know, virus related or malware related on it. You start with a clean version of Windows, but even if you recover Windows, your files uh, will still be encrypted. So that's why if the files are still encrypted by the attacker, that's why we would always have a backup somewhere else, especially important files. So for something like that, just the sort of simplicity of having a, a backup, is that is that more problematic for big organizations, for example? So when people are listening to this and they're maybe thinking about a ransomware attack and how newsworthy that's been over the last number of days, um, would the HSE be likely to have that that uh, kind of information backed up is that it is is it as simple as that that oh sure, there's 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 your backed up <laughs> information we'll just go to that yeah and it, maybe like with a hospital i don't know like maybe like backed up information if even if that's a few days out or a few weeks out it could be missing certain vital pieces of information so i'm not sure how yeah. they would ha handle a backup and an organization such as large as that have would have you know tons and yeah. tons of information to back up but on a personal level as in, in ourselves we can back up things quite easily and regularly and we can definitely like from from, a, from that point of view 
we could be prepared if we ever got on the very, very, very unlikely event that an individual was held with ransomware. You know, if they if, if they blocked out your computer and we can wipe the computer and have a backup of these files somewhere else, you know, you're completely safe. If they're threatening to post stuff online, that that's a different thing. Like maybe like maybe you, you you started writing a book or you started writing something, and they're going to post that online, and you might lose copyright uh, entitlements to it or something like that. Yeah. That that that's where you'd 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 worry. But in terms of your own computer and backing up, that's quite simple to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, would there be an issue with with some? Um, I suppose again, you're talking about big organisations, but even if they've got a even if they've got a backup. Can the network itself be kind of a problem to be able to? Because I suppose with with something like the HSE service, you're not just talking about one location having a standalone computer with your backed up files that you can access. You're talking about kind of quite a lot of networked information. It depends which machines they have locked out. They could have vital server machines uh, completely locked out, and then maybe the information that you can't retrieve because it's all blocked. Um, there's a number of ways that I mean, like this, this isn't straightforward for an organisation once it's once it's set in. Yeah. Um. So that they will, they will have a lot of things to do, but um, I mean, this has happened to organisations before, and they have yeah. to have got around to it. But from a personal level, uh, an individual, it's much easier to kind of account for. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. And um, that's what. That's why um, we started adding things like you probably hate, like with your banking, mm. you have two-factor authentication and multi-factor. So that you, when you log into your account and you put in your password, it sends a message off to maybe like a text message or on an app saying this is you trying to log in and then you say yes. Because that means if I happen to lose my email address and password to an attacker and they try to log into my system, mm. they still have to get that authentication from me to say, well, that was me yes, trying to log yeah. in. Yeah. So, so that that's a thing that, you know, everyone should start looking into maybe multi-factor authentication for certain websites and apps. Very good. Yeah, good advice. Yeah. Yeah, very good. And I, I suppose we might just even come back to that in a second as well. Just the idea of like if we if we were to give some takeaway points um, to definitely take away from this and, and protect yourself from this kind of attack. Here are a, a few takeaway points. We'll come back to that in a minute. But just what happens if if it's actually already happened to somebody? If there's so let's say tomorrow somebody's heard this uh, this piece on the, the live event and then tomorrow they they find this message on their laptop saying that your files have been encrypted. You're going to have to contact us to pay a ransom. Should they do that or what what sort of approach should they take to that? Well, probably much like the HSE, you shouldn't you shouldn't be paying ransom to these people. It just encourages them to do it to other people. Um, I know people are desperate to get certain files back and to do, but if we have followed procedures and maybe, maybe you just want to cut your losses and say, well, I don't care, I'm going to lose these photographs or I'm going to lose that document uh, and I'm not paying an encryption ransom, I'm just going to start again. Mm. Then you'd have to change all the passwords to all your accounts um, or even yeah. maybe start new accounts. Uh, it just depends on how much you want to kind of start over. But I mean, like uh, delete the del deleting your your win your windows and starting again and removing the ransomware is a good start. And then it just comes up to then your files. Are you willing to lose them or have you got yes, them backed yeah. up? Yeah, very good. And um, I guess as well with with any of these 
sort of things. I think even with the HSE, they, they'll be taking on quite a lot of kind of advisors with it. They'll, they'll come out with a statement saying that they're not going to um, pay a ransom, which is, I, I guess, kind of their their standard procedure in a way. But it's it's not kind of it's not something where there's a set response to every single type of ransomware or malware. I guess it, it, take advice would be probably quite mm. a good thing to do at any given point. Yeah, and like organizations like like NCBI ourselves, like we updated all our equipment um, in the last year and a half. So all staff got newer laptops and we got mm -hmm. increased security levels. And, you know, we've, we've been rolling out multi-factor authentication for all staff over the last year. And a lot of staff have it, so we'll finish everyone off in the next few weeks. But I mean, that's the kind of things organizations have to do. You have to stay up to date with your technology. And you've often heard people giving out that they're in in a job and they're still using Windows XP machines and you're thinking, Jesus, that's going that's that's leaving someone very vulnerable. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. An, an organization has to spend money. It's like it's like up it's like upkeep of a building, upkeep of your IT services. Yeah. Uh, I mean like it's an old fashioned way of looking at oh when you know ten years ago we, we spent like uh, I'm, I'm just pulling figures out here the HSC yeah. said oh we spent two million on computers. Uh, I mean, like you'd have to do that five years later or five years later. It, it's upkeep. I mean, it's absolutely essential. Yes. Yeah. So that I think that's becoming into that. That's people are becoming aware of that now. And obviously some organizations are a bit late on it. But uh, I, I, IT maintenance is is of most important since all our data and information is stored there. Yeah, very good. Um, so so just to maybe come back to what we what we were saying then, if we were to kind of round up this discussion with with takeaway points um, maybe we could get one from from each each of you if that's okay um, could we come to maybe JP first and, mm. and then Daniel and Sean yeah I'd, I'd like to go back to the point about paying this ransom okay so yeah mm. I mean, it was recently came out that uh, Heather Heather Humphreys who is uh, the Minister Justice Minister um, and she, she's come out she's well, she's more or less saying that HSC won't be paying this this this, this ransom and I think it's, it's it's a very good um very good idea not to pay it I mean you're leaving yourself at risk that you might not get your you know the ransomware removed yeah. um, and also I mean looking back here I'm looking at some of the figures alone just for example there has been, there's been research done by a cyber edge group um, to say that 57% of ransomware victims have paid ransom last year but only one quarter of them fa uh, failed to recover their data so again no guarantee in fact the odds could be yeah, actually, yeah. You know, somewhat stacked against you so yeah, I would yeah. say yeah just be cautious about going out and paying the ransomware I know it's probably um, you know, immediate reaction. Say, oh, you, you know, say you want your you want your files back, but just just because it's weighed up, and maybe consider the other options. Uh, I think Sean is I think Sean has referred to a lot of other kind of good things about keep make sure your your antivirus software is up to date. You know, you're running the latest version of Windows, etc. These are yeah, very, very good considerations. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Daniel, if we come to to yourself, yeah, just um one in, one entrance in fact now, and I can. This data might be a little bit out of date, but in 2017, there was five billion dollars US dollars made worldwide from ransomware. So it tells you it is quite a lucrative market for these high-end criminals who are involved in, in running this. I uh, can be sure that that figure has probably jumped a bit further in, in recent years. So you can see um, like the damage it does and 
And of all the ransomware attacks out there, and I suppose uh, for a bit of sympathy, uh, the, the way of the HSE for, for a change, that uh, 45% of all ransomware attacks um, are at the healthcare organisations. And another emerging sector that's um, that's getting targeted is the financial services sector. So you really are, you know, your your wallet and your health is, yeah, yeah. is where these guys are, are looking to make the, you know, make, make the few quid. But, uh, you know, as I suppose, just as we discussed there, like, um, you know, the, the best way to prevent it is to have the backup of your files, you know, use, use, um, there's lots of, um, you know, free cloud backup services like your Google Drive and your your Microsoft OneDrive, if you have an Outlook account, mm. you know, do do take advantage of those. It's, you know, it, most people won't have a fierce amount of, you know, storage space taken up with critical files to them, you know. So it's maybe a good idea to, to to use some of those online services, and keep your antivirus up to date, um, and your and your Windows up to date. Um, you know, go in there into the settings, go to Windows Update, check that, and install um, what what Microsoft have sent down and recommended. So there are good ways of of yeah. you know limiting limiting the whack that that one of these can can give you. Yeah, very good. And Sean, we'll come to you. Uh, yeah, well, just briefly, uh, Drew, like. It's common sense. So, if you get a link sent to you by email and you don't know the person, be very cautious of that link. Same with a, a file. If someone's sending you a file, you don't know who they are. You don't even need to open the email. I mean, use your emails. If you're even if you're on a screen reader, um, you know, don't open the email. Let the screen reader read out the the name, the subject, and a bit of the body of the email as it does. Mm. If it doesn't seem pertinent to you or it seems strange, just don't open it. Uh, just common sense, things like that. And if you are going to links with your bank details or any of that there, always just double check the URL uh, just to make sure that you know, it's not, you know, Bank of Ireland with two A's or, you know, something like uh, yeah, yeah. BA. So just especially when with something like as, as, you know, uh, as personal as that there, check your links and we can go into uh, segments in the future people like about you know how, how to check for these things and how to be safer about links and downloads. Yeah, very good. A good telltale tell uh, thing as well, John, is in you know these emails that are sent to you. Often the spelling is a little bit off, you know, yeah. um, and our English might be a little bit broken. It mightn't be as fluent as you know. Uh, as I, I, I've, I've got I've got emails from you before, Daniel. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's very important to look out for because you will, you will, like Daniel says, you will see spell mistake or sentence that just doesn't really, you know, someone wouldn't say something like that. Yeah, yeah. 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 Particularly, well, particularly if it's supposed to come from, you know, um, you know, it mightn't be a friend sending you an email. You could be purported to become a business that you've dealt with. And they're exactly. unfortunately they've been targeted. The next thing you get an email, you know, it could be from your local furniture shop. And you know, you might be getting regular emails from telling them about the new piece of furniture they're in. Next thing you get this email, oh, click here to open a new brochure, and the words are spelled a bit wrong. You think, God, that doesn't look great now for business sending uh, yeah, full yeah. of spell mistakes. Well, that well, can be I, I know I know we're kind of tight for time, but just to give you a quick anecdote, like last week I received a bank text message from my bank saying uh, my card was um being postponed due to suspicious behavior and there was a link within the text message and i i followed the link in the text message and even my phone said this is a bit suspicious don't know like uh, the security on my phone mm, said yeah. no we're not going to open this link for you because it does seem suspicious yeah. and then i went to my bank 
uh, on, on a separate uh, device and checked it and there was no issue at all. So that, that they are very clever and like thankfully security my phone that there was trying to prevent me even from opening that link. Yeah, very good. So some very good kind of advice and uh, tips to be able to keep safe as well um, and, and uh, stay protected from this kind of mal malware. So thank you very much to our panel. Thanks very much to JP and Daniel and Sean for talking to us about uh, ransomware and cyber attacks and how to keep ourselves safe from, from that as well. So we're going to move on now in our live event this week to our next section and we're going to move into our seeing it your way piece and this week we caught up with dominique farrell now dominique is an experienced user of assistive technology and on top of that she's an avid listener to our live events as well well we don't need any more of an introduction than that really so here's this week's seeing, so it, this your week's way. seeing it your way piece we have dominique farrell with us you're very welcome to the show dominique Thank you very much. Really good to have you with us on the show this week. And I know you're a you're a regular listener of our uh, live events, so good to have somebody on the show um, who's been with us from the start, really, from the for the live events. But we'll talk a bit more about technology and uh, your use of technology a little bit later on in the interview. But maybe if we could start off by asking you, Dominique, could you tell us a little bit about your background, your story of sight loss? Well, I was born with uh, retinopathy of prematurity, which meant I was born three months premature and I got too much oxygen in the incubator, which left me with no sight in my right eye and uh, little sight in my, in my left. And I went to St Mary's School for the Blind in Marion I learned to use the cane, which I never liked. I actually used to put the cane in in the drawer at the end of school and not bring it home because I knew I'd have to um I'd have to practice and yeah, I never liked the cane at all. In two thousand and nine I had a cataract removed from my left eye and it gave me back about 30% sight because I had 10% with the cataract and I never realised how bad it was until uh, after the operation the following day and it was just absolutely amazing what I could see um, because I've always used a monocular from NCBI to look at the bus numbers and watch uh, television and then two years ago it would be in June uh, my retina was damaged and I lost the sight that I had and now I have actually no sight at all. When you had that operation then you had the cataract removed that gave mm. you was that kind of the the best period of your life in terms of the amount of vision that you had? Oh uh, without a shadow of a doubt, yes. I mean, I didn't realise how uh, good it was until now uh, that I have no sight. Um, when I had sight, I, I didn't, I didn't realise the sight that I had was so good until it's gone. And when working with a, a guide dog, especially now with having Minnie, my third guide dog, 
I had to train with her with no sight. And with my two previous dogs, I had sight. So it's a huge difference. So that must be, yeah, I'm just thinking that, that your experience there is is quite an interesting one in that you, you had very poor sight and then it, it improved and then it disimproved mm. again. Did, did that in any way kind of, did it help you to adapt again um, when you when you lost your sight? Was your previous experience helpful to you or was it almost like the opposite of that? Was it something that made it even more of a, a challenge because you had had sight for a, for a period of time, you had seen the improvement? Well, I just think to have sight, uh, no matter how bad it is, just to have it, it's better than not having it at all. I mean, I'm 48 um, years old and to go through um, all that time with sight and then uh, for two two years for it to be taken away, I just think yeah. it's the most cruelest thing that could ever happen. Yeah. But I mean, um, from the uh, getting mini has really made me happy again. Okay, yes, if I got my sight back tomorrow, the sight that, that I had, I I would be very very happy. Um, I'd be back to my old self, but. Um, you know, there's always people worse off than yourself, and you don't appreciate what you have until it's gone. Tell me a little bit more about um, maybe through your life how technology has made a difference to you. Well, I started off using a manual typewriter, then I went to using a an electric typewriter and then um, when I went to NCBI I was in the training centre twice and I um, was taught how to use a computer with JAWS and that really, enabled, uh, that really opened up my world. Um, it transformed my life. I mean now with email and Zoom and Microsoft Teams uh, and the internet. I mean, you're in touch with people all the time. Your your life is opened up to an, a new world. I think I started off on JAWS on eight point something and now I'm up to JAWS 2020. And then I'm using uh, with Microsoft as well. I mean, I am. Um, Using email and the internet is just brilliant because um, I'm able to keep in touch with the COVID news on the um, RT website and then I have the um, RT news app which I, I keep in touch that way as well and I get my um, daily notifications from RT um, every evening. Yeah. I have as well as my computer, I have an iPhone, I have an Apple Watch, I have AirPods and I have the um, Echo Dot speaker. So just, I mean, technology is amazing, it really is. And uh, as for the speaker, I mean, whoever thought um, a, spe a speaker would be able to speak back to you. 
Absolutely, yeah. And it's interesting just you, you mentioned there kind of a, a combination of technologies, obviously that the laptop has been key to you because of all the, the different kind of applications you've used it for over the years. But you mentioned a smart speaker there. Do you, do you use that quite a bit? I do. I listen to I listen to um, RTE Gold and I uh, listen to music on it and I actually access the NCBI lab live event. Uh, if I miss it live, I listen back on the speaker. Oh, brilliant. Yeah, very good. That's a really handy way to do it as well. And uh, you probably heard on our live events that we're, we've got the whole um, Smart Hub project coming. I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Yeah, I, I have heard about it, yeah. And I've given my name in if it's needed. Very good, yeah. I think that'll be a, a really useful resource for people to be able to avail mm. of. You've got obviously the, the smart speaker, you've got your laptop. You mentioned about apps there a minute ago as well. Um, which which side of the debate do you fall on, Dominique? Is it the Apple or the Android side for your for your oh, phone? Oh, def definitely Apple. I mean, <laughs> for accessibility, Apple are way ahead. Uh, <laughs> voiceover is much better. I don't like the voice on um, the talkback voice on Android. Um, I find the I use the male Irish Siri voice and. I think he's very good. Well, do you know what? And it's always great, whatever way somebody falls on that debate, to hear somebody um, have that amount of conviction, because it's obviously the right thing for you in that case. Yeah, well, he wasn't his. He wasn't available on the Apple Watch until Watch OS Seven, and when that came out, I I could download it um, onto my watch, and I waited for that to be available because I didn't like Moira um, on my watch. And now that I have the male Irish theory voice, when I go out for mini, I open up the workout app and um, as open up the work, the outdoor walk. And after an hour's walk, when I get home, it'll tell me how far I've walked and how many calories I've burned and how many beats per minute my heart was. And then um, it gives me stand reminders and it tells me on the hour to stand up if I haven't stood. And I, it, you get um, an achievement badge if you if you've passed your, your stand and workout and activity. Um, that day, so it's a very good way to get them motivated. Very good. So I know that some people maybe um, wonder whether whether the, the kind of smart watches and things like that are a worthwhile device um, when you've got your your smartphone as well that can do so much of the the same stuff. You you find it very much a, a very useful device. Oh, I do. I only got it last year for my birthday. Um, other than that, all my watches were talking watches from NCBI. Um, but I have to say, since having the Apple Watch, it's just, it's like having an iPhone on your wrist. You can take calls, you can make calls uh, on your watch. Um, 
it's brilliant. Um, it saves me from taking out my phone when I'm out and about, which I don't like to do. Very convenient, definitely a very convenient mm. piece. Oh, it is. Um, I have AirPods as well. Um, I use them for listening to um, the radio on my i um, on my iPhone. Um, but generally, um, I just I I would use my computer for emailing and surfing the internet. Um, where the iPhone. Yeah, I would check my emails on my iPhone, but I wouldn't use the standard keyboard, the native keyboard that's on the iPhone, because I find your wrist gets tired after a while. Whereas, well, sometimes I use dictation as well, or Siri, but sometimes Siri <laughs> mispronounces what you said and t uh, picks up things wrong. But um, yeah, yeah. the... The computer is brilliant now, I have to say. I love it. If it wasn't for technology with COVID, um, you know, I wouldn't have the life that I have. Uh, every day there's something going on, a webinar or technology group or the NCBI virtual tech clubs on a Wednesday. Um, so it, it means that I'm not bored now because I have technology to help me. Um, and it keeps me entertained and it makes the day go quicker, especially when in, in lockdown. Yeah, which is kind of quite a, quite an extra benefit over the last year or so. Tell us a yeah. bit more about the, you were saying about the tech clubs there. You, you join in the tech clubs regularly, do you? Yes, I'm a part of the Dublin one um, with JP and Joe. And the technology, the Dublin one has actually, you could have up to 14 participants some weeks. It's a very big um, technology club. And um, what I've learned on the technology club as well is Joe does fantastic um, tutorials, like uh, demonstrations. Uh, each week on voiceover. Now, I know how to use voiceover, but even the Windows shortcuts, he recently spoke about using emojis um, on the computer, which before then I didn't know how to use emojis on the computer. Um, and I, yeah, I find that's a great um, addition. Yeah, very good. I think we're actually going to mm. even look at that a little bit in our quick tips a little bit later on in the show today. So that'll be kind of uh, that fits in very nicely with that. So what would you say um, over the course of the technology clubs, has there been any particular topics that you've found have made a big impact on you? Um, well, when it comes to uh, the demonstrations with voiceover, I know a lot of them, but it's always useful to gain more knowledge of how to use things. You can never have enough, you know, enough knowledge um, but I find with the NCBI Labs live event on Tuesday that um, I've picked up a, a lot from the hints, the, the tips that JP provides or the useful shortcuts that I've picked up along the way. I think a lot of people mm. find that the, the quick tips and the, the tech help and things like that are quite quite yeah. useful to have. Yeah. 
I'm on the website every day and the pages that I access are news and events, technology news, um, podcasts and blog. And they're the, they're the three pages that I, I use regularly. I like, I love the technology news. I like to gain more information from things that are put up um, how to use different technology because I know when I was 14 they put up um, stuff on how to use it and I, I'd say that they'll do the same for iOS 15 when that comes out um, that will be launched at probably WWDC um, in June. That will definitely be something that they'll be keeping an eye on as well I'm sure. Um, mm. And, I'm, and you find the uh, the website easy enough to use? Oh yeah, um, it's very easy with JAWS. Um, just um, once you know how to bring up your links and you know the letter of the page you're looking for, you just press the letter and it opens up. Um, yes, it's, it's much easier than it was um, previously. Very good, well that'll nice feedback for the team that was working on the website anyway. So tell me then Dominique, obviously you've had quite a bit of experience with different technology through your life and it's it's made a huge difference to you. Obviously you mentioned there about some of the training you had with JAWS being able to actually use a lot of the different technologies now. If, mm. if you were talking to somebody who kind of was maybe either you know, not too into technology or was just adapting to sight loss, for example. Is there anything that you could say that would be, you know, good advice for, for somebody in that situation? Well, when it comes to technology, I'd say don't be afraid of it because um, you can't uh, break it or if you, if you think you delete something, it'll always say, are you sure you want to delete? But there's a load of uh, mediums out there now. There's technology email lists um, that you can subscribe to if you don't know how to um, do something. Or then there's NCBI Labs, which are a brilliant resource. Um, I mean, any problems I have when I contact them, they assist me. Um, straight away um, when when I started out on my uh, technolo technology journey NCBI Labs wasn't even available uh, then even though uh, there were IT people in NCBI that could help you but to have a whole wealth of knowledge in a technology team I just think is a brilliant initiative from NCBI. Brilliant, yeah, and that's it's nice to have that kind of support as well. I think confidence is such a big thing, isn't it, when you're using technology? Like you say there, just knowing that there's kind of safeguards for you, um, you're not going to do any major damage with your no. technology, but also the fact that you've got support from people. I think that's, oh, yeah, that's well, always going to help confidence. Well, before I had an iPhone, all my phones were Nokia phones. So I never used a touchscreen phone. And after having keypad phones and going to a touchscreen, it was a real learning cur curve. 
but the best teacher is yourself because if you go into um explore the phone go into different all the different apps find out what's in settings and that's how that's how you learn things is by exploring things and yeah. trying to trying to learn yourself rather because you're not under any time frame of uh wondering oh um I've only a certain amount of time to get this done or find this out. But when you do it yourself, you're, you're under no pressure. And um, yeah, I mean, it took me a couple of weeks to get to know the iPhone 4S was my first phone. But I mean, after having a couple of iPhones after that, then once you, knew, once you get comfortable and confident with one iPhone, all the iPhones are the same after that then. Yeah, it's great to, to kind of have mm. that standardised approach, isn't it, sometimes? Well, it's been really good to chat to you today, Dominique. We really appreciate you coming on to the show for our Sing It Your Way piece. And uh, we hope to chat to you again in the future. I'm sure you'll be chatting to the guys in, in the labs anyway in the meantime. But uh, great to have you with us this week. Thank you very much for joining us on Seeing It Your Way. And thank you for having me, Jude. So that was Dominique Farrell on this week's Seeing It Your Way piece, and uh, she's uh, clearly a, a fan of the, the labs team there. Great feedback uh, from Dominique, so we appreciate that. And uh, clearly a, a, a great fan of the Irish male voice on Siri as well. So that's, uh, I think it's, it's clear which side of the Android Apple debate Dominique is on. Very good. So we look forward to another seeing it your way piece in the coming weeks as well. Now, I think uh, given the time, we're going to just um, delay the NCBI training videos by um, Miriam Kelly. We might just delay that a week, build the anticipation a little bit more. It's a taster video anyway to, to give people an idea of, uh, of what's coming up. Uh, in the future on the NCBI YouTube channel, but we'll we'll come back to that definitely in a future live event. So you'll definitely get your taster of what's coming there. But in the meantime, what we'll do is we'll uh, move on to our quick tip for this week. And maybe actually if we can uh, invite Daniel on for a moment. Daniel, what, what have you got lined up for us for this week's quick tip? Yeah, um, we kind of um, touched on it there in your lovely interview with Dominique. It was great to hear from her. Well done. Um, she was talking about the emojis now uh, that you can use within the Windows operating system. Now, it did come out in uh, the Falls update of Win uh, Windows 10, which is a couple of years back now at this stage. But it has been uh, slowly but surely improved on over the last few years. And uh, I suppose emojis are getting ever more and more popular. So um, I've put together a little video um, just shown briefly in uh, Microsoft Windows 10 how to take advantage of the emoji panel and insert emojis into documents, web pages, emails, wherever you want. You can uh, invoke this keystroke to bring up the emoji panel and how to use it with a screen reader. So um, I think Sean uh, is queuing up that there and we'll have a look at that. Yep. We're going to show you today how to access 
the emojis in Windows 10. So for today's example, I'm going to open up a Microsoft Word document and we're going to type in a line and insert a few emojis. And we'll take a look at how that is done. So I'm just going to switch here to Microsoft Word. Document 1-Word. Okay, so we're ready to type. Cap H. Caps Now, to access the emoji panel in Windows 10, we've got to use the Windows key, hold it down, and press to full stop. Rolling on the Okay, so we bring up a, a new panel that sits over your Microsoft Word document and you have the first one uh, described to you. So simply navigate around using the arrow keys to get into different emojis. So as you use your arrow keys to navigate around, um, your screen reader will describe those emojis to you. And when you're happy with the one that you want to insert into your document, you simply press the Enter key. And that gets inserted into your document. Now, to come out of the emoji panel, we simply use the Escape key. Emoji panel is closed. And you get a notification that the emoji panel has now been closed. And you can continue typing. Space. I. I. H. So we'll just do that again. Windows key and the full stop. Smiling face with smiling eyes, one of 44 And we can also <clears throat> type in here at this point if we wanted to get a different type of emoji. So copyright So I've just searched for cake, C-A-K. I didn't even need to type in the full word. And when I'm happy, I just simply press enter on that and it will insert the emoji. And any text that was typed in the background gets converted into the emoji. So I press escape now again to uh, close off the emoji panel. Emoji panel is closed. So we have typed up hello there with a smiley face. I hope that you're keeping well after the party and we've inserted a little emoji of a slice of cake. So if there's somebody who will get that, uh, it'll be an extra little personal touch. So thank you very much for watching and don't forget that if you need any assistance with this, uh, please do get in contact with your local NCBI Labs IT trainer uh, who will be able to help you. Thank you very much. So that's this week's quick tips. Mm -hmm. with thanks to Daniel, and uh, that's very, very useful one. Nice handy one, Daniel. Yeah, it is. Yeah, um, just and I especially like the search feature, and you know, where you just start popping in the the characters. Um, and for anyone who's not maybe using a screen reader, they will notice that the letters appear in the background. 
But when you hit the enter key then on the emoji, the, the, it replaces those characters in the background with the emoji. So just to bear in mind anyone who's actually going to maybe try that out after after viewing. Very good. Yeah, nice, uh, nice quick tip and very, um, I suppose it's something that's just a part of our communication all the time now. So it's it's uh, very yeah. useful to make sure that it can be uh, accessible as well. So that's really good. Thank yeah. you very much, Daniel, for uh, okay. taking us through this week's quick tip. So hopefully you've enjoyed today's show and uh, we've obviously been covering kind of very topical things and uh, a lot of people I think would, would have concerns with what's been happening over the last week, but uh, good to be able to get a bit more of an understanding of uh, that ransomware attack and the cyber attack that's been going on as well and uh, how to keep ourselves safe. Now, um, just a reminder that uh, if you need any technology assistance, you can get support from the labs team from nine to five, Monday to Friday on 1850923060, or you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie, or if you want to avail of the wider NCBI service, you can call 1850334353, or you can email info at ncbi.ie. Of course, we always appreciate your support of NCBI as well. And if you'd like to make a donation to help support our services, you can do that through donate.ncbi.ie. And just a reminder as well, we've talked about this a few weeks running now, but NCBI, uh, the Smart Hub project is ongoing at the moment. So um, if if that's something that you feel like you could uh, help out in or help out with as a, as a tester, please do get in touch by emailing smarthub at ncbi.ie. That's smarthub at ncbi.ie. Just before we go, just a reminder of what we'll be talking about in future live events. Of course, we mentioned there we will have uh, that taster of the uh, training videos by Miriam Kelly. We'll have that uh, on next week. Uh, and we've also changed our running order a little bit just to cover the ransomware piece that we looked at earlier, but we will still cover in a future live event what's happening in the NCBI Centre in Tallow. We'll be sure to come back to that on one of the future live events. We'll also be talking about the speaking email app as well. But as well as that, we're going to look at how to build in accessibility into Word documents as well as social media as well. So we'll be covering that in future live events. A reminder that our next live event is Tuesday, May 25th at the usual time of 2.30. So that's next Tuesday, we'll be back with you. And of course, if you want to stay up to date with what's happening on our live events, as well as plenty more useful tips and information, you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website, or you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie if you'd like to do that as well. So all that's left for me to do is to thank our panel today. We had uh, JP and Sean and Daniel and uh, from from all the panel here at NCBI Labs and uh, myself Jude Marr, we uh, want to thank you for listening and we look forward to having you back next week for another NCBI Labs live event.